You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Welcome, West Side Church, and welcome, Sacramento Church. Uh, we miss the child dearly, but are grateful for our partnership. Uh, today, our sermon is from Floyd and Tamara Grosset. Floyd and Tamara became Christians in Philadelphia in 1993, but did not meet until they both went on a mission team to Pittsburgh, where they fell in love and were married in 1998. The Grosets have served as ministers in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Arizona, and now Virginia, where they are region leaders for the Northern Virginia Church of Christ. They have two sons, Riley, one who's 19, he lives in Phoenix and is in the campus ministry there, and Miles, who's 12, he's enjoying the adventures of being a sixth grader. In his spare time, Floyd can be found DJing or brewing really good coffee, and Tamara loves yoga, she loves Floyd's coffee, and reading. They both have served on the ICOC Singles Committee, coordinating worldwide conferences, and Tamara has served on the Cultural Diversity Team in Phoenix. We are honored to have them share our lesson with us today. Good morning, Westside Church and Sacramento Church. We're excited to be able to worship with you this morning and to be able to bring God's word uh, to you. We understand that um, you guys have been going through Isaiah 55 in your higher series. And what we want to talk about this morning is higher celebration. We do want to give special thanks to Steve and Carrie Lounsbury for inviting us to be a part of this special time that you guys are having, studying out these themes uh, from the scriptures. And so our particular verse this morning is Isaiah 55:12. so let's dive right on in. The Bible reads here is, you will go out in joy and will be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills will burst into song. Before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. You know, this particular passage just communicates this sense of joy, this sense of peace, this sense of excitement about God restoring his people uh, to be with him. We know that our God is a God who loves to party. When you think about the Old Testament and you think about the, the, the seven a feast that he prescribed to the Jewish nation. Now, a lot of those feasts were to be focused on eating and celebrating and being around one another and all of them being in the presence of God together. And so we know that Jesus enjoyed celebrating with people. Now, Revelation says that when Jesus comes back, there's this image of, uh, of a wedding happening. We're going to be married to Jesus forever. And of course, everyone knows that a wedding is a party. And so we get this sense that God loves celebration. But along with uh, just this joyous, rapturous uh, uh, sort of environment, there's also this, this idea of peace or shalom or wholeness. And so this was also important for this, these people to hear because, of course, uh, some of the hearers would be in captivity hearing this for the first time and looking around at the world around them and saying, well, where, how can I have peace when the world is like this? Well, the peace that God is talking about here is that this is a restorative peace that comes when he comes and restores us. 
And so the big idea of God, God is giving them the vision to Israel of how ridiculously they'll enjoy being in God's presence once he restores their covenant, his covenant with them, and making them whole and bringing them that back uh, to himself. Really, all nations running behind um, them as they uh, return to God. And so for today, uh, this connects so well for us today. This connects so well to uh, what we heard last week with Steve's lesson, Higher Purpose, that God's word does not come back void or empty. It has a purpose. Jesus came as the word in the flesh, and he had a purpose. He has a purpose. Um, So the purpose in this verse is God's word produces joy and peace. That's incredible. These are the results or the fruits of God's word, what his word accomplishes. You can't have joy and peace without God's word. So it is with true celebration. You can't have true celebration without God's word. When I looked at this passage, I thought, well, who's going to be let out with joy and peace? Yes, Israel. But Isaiah is also talking about a future time when anyone who is thirsty, like Isaiah says earlier in the passage, thirsty for God's word. Anyone who responds to God's word and is thirsty for God's word will be let out with joy and peace. And this is the only way to be satisfied, Isaiah says in verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? So without being satisfied by God and his word, we will be thirsty for what the world celebrates. You know, as disciples who've been in the Word for a year or five or ten or twenty years, some of you forty, uh, maybe even fifty years, you know, there's some things that have become obvious to us that don't bring joy and peace when we read God's Word. When we read the list of sin and we talk about immorality or drunkenness or orgies, you know, many of us have lived in that in the past. I've certainly lived in that. And I realize that that does not bring peace. However, there are some things that can that we, we can be, uh, d- develop a longing for that aren't as obvious, that are a little bit more subtle, that are things that can really become things that we covet after even greater than our relationship with God, uh, greater than being restored by God. You know, a lot of us have had this experience. You know, you are in a rush and you need to go to the grocery store. Maybe you have company coming on over and you, you show up at the grocery store parking lot and it looks really busy. But as you drive around, suddenly a spot comes open just near the door. You begin to feel like God is with me. And you, you feel a great sense of joy in those moments. Or perhaps it's something like this. You, you, you've booked a hotel that you've never been in, and you show up at the hotel, you check in, and you make your way up to your room, and you open the door and go on in, and you open up the bathroom, and by Golly, it is an incredible bathroom. And, and then when you actually take a shower, the shower is just perfect in terms of its pressure. Or maybe it's uh, as, a, as a family. I remember the first time we took our sons, uh, our son to Disney uh, World in Florida. There's such a joy that comes over watching your child walk down Main Street um, in uh, you know Disney, Disney World. Uh, that's incredible. Those things are awesome. But so... But here's the thing is that we can find greater joy in those things than we do with God and God restoring us and God being with us. And so 
all of those things are temporary, and that's why that those those things don't satisfy. They may give us good memories, but they don't satisfy us the way that God is promising here. You know, God doesn't celebrate what the world celebrates, and he doesn't celebrate the way that the world celebrates. In Luke 16, verse 15, it says, Jesus said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Whoa. Now, Jesus speaking here says, listen, what what you find valuable is not necessarily what God finds valuable. And the challenge for us is without God's word really directing our thoughts, directing our hearts, directing our feet, we can develop worldly ideas about what celebration ought to be. And these worldly ideas can creep into um, uh, our lives in a way that we did not expect. So I was thinking a little bit more about what does the world celebrate? And sadly, the passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5 came to mind. This is the passage, you can go back and look at it later, that starts off by saying, in the, in the last days, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of money, lovers of themselves. And it it proceeds to list a lot of horrible traits that actually uh, describe me without God, describe me when I turn away from God, when I give in to my sinful nature. So, for example, lovers of pleasure, lovers of themselves. Man, the world celebrates that. Celebrating pleasure. You know, if it feels good, you have a right to doing it. Celebrating self and self-gratification. Even self-promotion. You know, making sure that I I progress. I am fulfilled. Versus celebrating what God celebrates. Self-denial. Self-control. Self-sacrifice. And lifting others up. I think about the self-gratification through romance that the, that the world celebrates. Not a selfless love and marriage of, of two people giving to each other, but um, the whole idea that something is wrong with you if you don't satisfy your, your lusts or satisfy your desire uh, for a romantic relationship or for sex or for companionship. I just think the world celebrates using people and loving things, where God celebrates loving people and using things. In that verse is also the words brutal, abusive. As we can see in our world today, we celebrate violence, even in our entertainment. We're rejoicing when our enemies suffer, especially in the, as Americans. You know, we, 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 we rejoice when our enemies suffer. Um, we celebrate uh, the things that God doesn't celebrate, uh, where he celebrates peacemaking in a nonviolent way. Lovers of money, of course, you know, America is about the accumulation of wealth and material things. Versus what God celebrates, the accumulation of things that would make us rich toward God. At the end of 2 Timothy 3, in that section, it just says um, that those who live like this have a form of godliness, but are denying its power and have nothing to do with such people. Whew, so challenging. So, so brothers and sisters, you know, a good question to ask yourself at this point is, what do you celebrate? Mm. You know, what 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 do you find uh, peace and joy in? Is it the things that God finds peace and joy in? If we're going to be thirsty for what God celebrates, we've got to go to his word to see what he celebrates. You know, a simple prayer that I've been praying for many, many years is that, 
is I pray that God changes my affections towards his affections, uh, that I, the things that I love towards the things that he loves, uh, because I could see how the world has this pattern that is easy to creep back in uh, to my life. So it, today we want to just look at a few things that God, we believe from God's word that he celebrates. This is not an exhaustive list by any means, and you can certainly feel free to go dig into the scriptures yourself. But let's take a look at what Jesus celebrated. Of course, we know that from Hebrews 1-3, it talks about he was the exact representation of God in every way. And we know that Jesus loved what God loved. And so we can look at Jesus and say, oh, here are some things that we need to be able to celebrate. The first thing is, is that Jesus celebrates great faith. In Matthew 8, the Bible reads here, it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. So Jesus is uh, is experiencing different types of people are coming to him and coming up to him. But he takes time to commend uh, someone for their great faith. And so we see that Jesus celebrates this moment where uh, this this person had great faith and the other um, catch for this is it was someone who was not uh, in the Jewish nation Um, so that is an incredible good news for any of us because no matter how what our background is no matter how we grew up whether in a religious household or not or whether um, you know in a a poor household or a rich household uh, no matter how we grew up um, we can have access to this faith, and it's something that Jesus celebrates. It's 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 for everyone, and um, it is so precious to him. The great faith, the great trust, being able to put our confidence and security in what we don't see, but in a, an invisible God who is real, who is powerful, who is true, and who is strong. This is precious and celebrated by Jesus. Yeah. Great faith. You know, how's your faith this morning? Are you in God's word trying to stoke the flames of your faith? God celebrates that. God likes that. Another thing that God celebrates, and we, when we look at Jesus, is uh, Jesus celebrates repentance, and therefore God celebrates repentance. In Luke chapter 15, verse 7, it says, I tell you that in the same way that there will be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, Jesus hadn't died yet, which is so interesting, but he celebrates repentance over baptisms. Now, don't hear me wrong. I think baptisms are awesome. But think about this. Do we tend to celebrate baptisms more than we actually celebrate a person's repentance, their mind change, that the view of their world is now completely different? You know, whenever I go into Bible studies and, and, I'm, and I'm sitting with people and I'm, they're trying to figure out how do I get a closer walk with God, and there are these moments when you begin to see their minds change, and it's always thrilling when you get this sense of they get it. They get it. You know, that those times are to be celebrated. And, of course, we've had that experience in our own household. So this makes me think about our son, Riley, who's 19 now and is been a Christian for uh, a little over two years, and um, I just, of course, I remember his baptism, which was incredible, but I vividly remember 
his repentance, the point where he turned away from his sinful life and turned to God and began that journey uh, to God. Uh, in his words, he said, I fell in love with God. I just remember him describing that turning point in his life. And even though he hadn't committed his life to God, his sins weren't forgiven yet. I rejoiced, you know, because, wow, he is turning away. He's turning away from his old life and turning to God and celebrating that. And it's so, it is so interesting how we celebrate new repentance, right? That leads yeah. to baptism. But I wonder, what about if we celebrated any repentance, repentance that comes later? Um, I even think about for Floyd's relationship with Riley. Uh, so Floyd became a Christian, you know, a, a lot earlier than Riley did, like, long time ago. Um, but even in his relationship with Riley that led up to Riley becoming a Christian, I saw Floyd's repentance. And that is to be celebrated, you know, just like Riley's. It was incredible and something that honors Jesus. You know, Jesus also celebrates all nations. In Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 15, uh, the Bible reads here, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And he taught them, and as he taught them, he said, it is, not, is it not written, my house will be called a prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. You know, in the book of Revelation, as John is, of course, the, the servant of God here, is that he says he saw a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, and every people. In this particular passage, we read that Jesus was indignant because all nations were prevented from being able to come into the temple, to be able to come into God's presence. And obviously, they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies or anything like that. But God was setting the stage that all people... Uh, are, are welcome to come to him. You know, Jesus sees all people. He hears all languages. He Jesus sees color. And why, why do I bring that up? Because in t today's environment, you know, people are becoming racially awoke and all those kinds of things. And But then people say things like, well, I don't see color. You know, many, many years ago, I used to take my mom to the Home and Garden Show uh, for Mother's Day because she loves flowers. Could you imagine if I took her inside this uh, show that is filled with all kinds of beautiful flowers and plants, and I asked her, Mom, what do you think? And she says, well, I don't see color. They, they all look the same to me. I would be like, are you, are you crazy? That doesn't make sense. But we don't look at people the way that God looks at people, that God has created this incredible diversity of people around the world of different skin colors, of different just uh, experiences, of different talents and gifts. And God wants to be with all of those people. God sees color and he celebrates it. God sees diversity and he loves it. You know, if you're that person who's saying, well, I don't see color, I would urge you to really, really think that way of thinking. God celebrates diversity. Yeah, so I think about the way that our unique personal stories uh, really glorify God and uh, also teach us about God. 
uh, the different cultures that we come from. So part of my background is Southern African. My dad is from Malawi. I grew up half of my childhood in Zimbabwe. And after I became a Christian, I had a really special opportunity, well, several of them actually, just to go back and visit our churches and and that part of the world. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, learning something that was very special and unique that really stood out about the churches in that part of the world, in Southern Africa, which is their humble hospitality, uh, their generous heart and humility. And it, it was demonstrated to me in this one example of many other examples. So there was uh, a woman in the church who had really wanted me to come over to her house. And I said, fine, you know, that's great. I got the address. I drove up and there was a big house. And uh, so I'm, I'm calling her, trying to figure out, okay, where's the entrance? Where do I go in? And she goes, okay, see the big house? Go to the back of that house. And you're going to see a small house, more like um, to me, it looks like a shed, actually. So I went around the big house, and I went to the small house. And in that house, that really a shed, is where she lived. Basically, it was the servant's housing, the servant's home for the big house. And that's where she lived. And she had insisted on having me over. And she was very poor. And she served me tea, and we had bread with butter and jam. And I just remember thinking, as an American... If I lived in the servant's housing of someone else's house, I wouldn't want to have people over because it's not big enough, not clean enough, you know, I'm too poor. So it's just one example of many how we can learn from different cultures. The incredible hospitality is of the Southern African churches, and I'm sure other cultures, is so celebrated by Jesus. You know, lastly, Jesus celebrates the kingdom of heaven. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, it says, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Of course, the disciples coming back and reporting to Jesus what happened when they went out to preach the gospel message. And Jesus is is overjoyed about the gospel message being preached, but he, he warns them, Hey, do not rejoice in these things. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the goal, is for for us to get to heaven and get as many there as possible. We've got to believe that every single day. We've got to live that every single day. So that whether we die before Jesus comes back or he comes back on the clouds, we're ready to be in heaven with God forever. When I think about this this thing that Jesus celebrates, the the kingdom of heaven. I can't help but think about how people who die in the Lord die. And in that category, I can't help but think about someone that I know many of you know and love, who is Gloria Baird. And I feel like it was such an honor to to watch uh, her at the end of her life in Phoenix. And she died well. And really, she showed me how to die. Uh, She died with all of what we're talking about. Joy, peace, celebration. To the end, when you talk to her daughters or to Al, that is a fact. She died that way. And so much of what she thought about while she was living was about the end goal, which is not, oh, I want to live 
happily in the United States, <laughs> but it was the end goal of heaven and meeting God. I, I am, was completely confident while she was dying that she was receiving what she wanted most in life. And how did she get there? I watched her celebrate the things that God celebrates. You know, many of you know her. Her notebook and the notes that she would take filled with spiritual thoughts. Her curiosity about people, all people. Her unconditional love for everyone, young, old, all nations, all races, all groups. The way that she left this world is how we want to do it. The way that she lived is how we'll get there. And so how do we get there? Well, we've got to train ourselves to celebrate what God celebrates. And I say this because it is not always natural for us to celebrate the things that God celebrates. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, this particular passage talks about that there's a pattern to this world. And for many of us, we've been living by that pattern for a long, long time before we realized it. I was 24 years old when I became a disciple, and I've been living for 24 years with worldly patterns. And, you know, after I got baptized, it wasn't like automatically those patterns just went away. I had to train myself to be godly. And part of that is training my heart to appreciate and love what God appreciates and loves. And so in doing this, we avoid the patterns of the world. And so I think there's two key things that I want to mention in terms of training yourself. And the number one is, is that we've got to be mindful people. And what I mean by mindfulness is being people who are willing to, in the moment or shortly, in, you know, be people who just think about, why do I think the way that I think? Why do I feel the way that I feel about something? It could be, why do I react to the to those words? The words themselves aren't necessarily bad words, but some of us have these triggers, and we never get in touch with those things, and we just sort of end up being people who succumb to our feelings rather than people who are mindful and just pause and wait and are patient to, enough to be able to examine our thoughts and feelings under the microscope of God's word to direct us and tell us, hey, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's the right feeling you should have about that, or no, that actually does need to get correct, corrected. I think the second thing is just being humble people who are willing to change our affections. You know, sometimes we can be people who are just like, I like what I like. I, I you know, I, I'm going to, I'm me. And that's true. We, we are our individual selves, but we're, we're designed to grow and change and learn. But that can't happen if we're, we just decide that I'm me and this is all you see is what you get rather than being people who are humble enough to learn at any age. That's what I loved about Gloria is that, I mean, her age, I won't mention her age, but she was a learner to the end. And I love that about her. She made such an impression on me uh, because of that. So as we end our time today, you know, if we're to take our celebration higher, we've got to take care to remember that God loves to celebrate, first of all, and that we've got to train ourselves to love what God's love which is what we looked at today is great faith, repentance, all nations, and the kingdom of heaven. You know, what else can you find in God's word that God celebrates? But let's take our celebration 
higher. Thanks again for listening to us, uh, Westside Church and Sacramento Church. To God be the glory. You've just listened to the Westside Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.